There are things he wants to say, but because the two sisters are arguing about the children's ministry before church, we got to dumb the message down or we got to give a profile. Hey, you need to forgive today. I'm not opposed to that. I'm just saying there are deep things that God wants to reveal to his people. But the posture of your heart, the posture of your heart right now is determining what you're receiving. This message is being heard in about a hundred different ways tonight. Based on the posture of your heart. Back to this thought here. The Greeks had this dualistic view of God. They, they viewed kind of like, this is your soul, this is your body. And I'm not saying they're not different, but in the Hebrew understanding, it was, it was a different entity, but it was all part of one. Your body is not necessarily separate from the soul. It's a dynamic unity, how Scripture looks at it. The reason we know this is because the heart, when it refers to the heart, it's not talking about a physical organ in Scripture. Many passages employ this, and you see this Hebrew understanding. That's why you'll see that the heart, according to Judges 5.16, 1 Chronicles 29.18, Psalm 4, verse 4, Psalm 10, verse 6, Mark 2, verse 6, Luke 1.66, Luke 2, verse 19, is a reference to thought or intellectual activity. The heart, too, was seen as the mind as well. The heart was seen as the source of good or evil qualities of behavior. The heart held truth, Deuteronomy 8.5. Conversely, when people don't take something to heart, it makes a difference. The heart provided uh, wisdom for kings to, do, uh, to, to rule justly, 1 Kings 3.12. 1 Kings 10, verse 20, uh, uh, 24. It discerns good and evil. 1 Kings 3, 9. In Luke's story of, of, of Mary, right, she hid those things in her heart. That's why Proverbs says this is not a small thing. <clears throat> Proverbs 4, 23. This is so key in this season. Listen to me, Linda and Hector. This is so important right now. Because the enemy would seek to get you offended about anything. Watch over your heart. What? With all diligence. Here it is. For from it flow the springs of life. The governing of your heart is a daily choice. Now here's the good part. God has promised all those who surrender to him and believe in him a new heart. How'd you get saved? You believed it in your heart. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put it within you. A heart that is improperly aligned has an inability to receive fullness though fullness is available. I'll try over here. A heart that is improperly aligned has an inability to receive fullness, though fullness is available. Fullness 
has always been available to God's people. Yet how we choose to think defines if we will receive fullness. Now it gets better though. This is, this is, this is fun stuff. God does not ever require you something of you that He never gives you the power to do. It's a beautiful thing. If you are born again, you've been empowered by God to steward your own heart. What do you notice the patterns in Scripture? Adam have dominion. He said, notice. He doesn't say, let them. He says, let us. Excuse me, he says, let them, but he makes them dependent upon God. But he's got to choose. He gave them the power to steward the earth. But he first had to steward himself, and he had to trust God. Paul, same teaching. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Really important is that this, 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 We'll probably open this up in another session, but get rid in any place of your thinking that walking with God is like playing the lottery. Get rid of any place in your heart where walking with God is like playing the lottery. Subtly, there's victim thinking in there. I can't do this. You know, I'm going to just make all these mistakes. I was amazed. I, 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 another place I'm in. First, second, Samuel. It says of Saul that God was with him. But he never agreed with God. It's actually possible for God to be with you and you to think as a victim all the days of your life on earth. Come on. We were created, I just said this, but I want to say it again. We were, complete, we were created for complete dependence upon God, but we were also created to be self-governing, which means this, you will choose what you depend upon. So let's establish this point here tonight. We think with our heart. For as he thinks what within himself, so is he. It's Proverbs 23, 7. What we ponder in our heart becomes the most predominant thought process. How your heart sees defines the lens by which you view reality. Notice your heart has eyes. Ephesians 1, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart, your heart has eyes. I'll go back to this point. I'm always fascinated at the things the Lord says to me. Him and I have been talking about this for about a week and a half now. A, re a religiosity that prevents God's people from growing in the knowledge of God. Here's another high point. 
God designed us for transformation. Genesis 1, right? Adam is perfect. One of the common needs of all people. You can't, you can't go beyond this. Everyone, I think we touched this last time I was in the tent. Everyone in this room, you were created to live in right standing with God. Not just like, oh, I know I'm forgiven. But to know that you know you can stand before God and be completely righteous and whole. Nothing, uh, nothing that separates you. No mindset, no mistake, no misunderstanding. But right before him, he goes, come on in. That's where Adam started. That's why Adam's mistake was so bad. It wasn't like, well, we'll, we'll kind of renovate it a little bit. He's like, that thing is so bad. Let's just give him a new life in Jesus. So you're perfectly made whole before God. But you were also, Adam in a perfect state, even a perfect state, they did not come fully arrived even when they came on the earth. Forever. They were supposed to grow in the knowledge of God. Forever. They were supposed to grow and act. Naming animals was just the beginning. How do we know maybe one day God was going to let Adam walk on water? Because Jesus walked on water. So you've been created for transformation. Now here's a part of you that is really important. Everyone is being transformed into something. You're either being transformed by God right now, or you're being transformed by something in this world. So the extent of your transformation is your own personal choice. Now here's also something interesting. You cannot change what you do not recognize. We might not hear what needs to change if we do not have a desire to change. Religiosity. This is not, this is just the definition God gave. Not an exclusive definition. But now this is interesting. This is how the Lord put it to me. He said, can you define this for me? I'd like to understand this. Religiosity is the embracing of an idea or concept that becomes part of your mindset that prevents you from embracing God's view of reality. Say it again. Is the embracing religiosity. He said a religiosity that keeps people back from the knowledge of God. It's the embracing of an idea or concept that becomes part of your mindset that prevents one from embracing God's view of reality. It's a belief in your heart that filters what you're hearing. I'll give you an example. This was years ago. Certain geographic place, you don't know where it is. One night, I remember. I said, give me an example of this. One night, I felt from the Lord many years ago, certain South American place. I'm going to teach on miracles. Practical, believe, you know, 
The will of God is for every believer to walk in miracles and, you know, do some practical things. The people are with me, man. They're going, amen. They weren't doing that. They were, Gloria, Joseph. Man, I thought the roof was going to come off that place that night. They said, how many receive this word? I receive this word. I said, if you receive this word, come on up. I'm going to pray for you to activate that. They all stopped. No one. I think, I think maybe two people came. Now, this is an example. But before you think that you're not affected by this, let the Lord examine you because it's a mindset. And I said, how come Noah, they all said they received the word? I understood in that environment, coming to the altar meant that they were in sin or something. A religiosity in their mindset that pre prevented them from receiving. Now, this is a big one. At times, what we think we know about God actually prevents us from receiving fullness. <laughs> it's getting late. I don't know if it's getting late or quiet. I'm going to keep going here. What we think we know about God keeps us from receiving. Now, you got the one amen. Right, Mark 6. What we think we know about God prevents us from receiving. Jesus is teaching, right, in his own hometown. Notice it's their approach. Won't read it tonight because I feel like we need to just jump in a few other things before we land. Wow! No one has ever taught like this. This is amazing. Yeah, but that's Jesus. Isn't he Joseph's son? What we think we know about God can keep us from receiving fullness. This is just a personal conviction. I'm convinced some of the breakthroughs I've needed came through people I might disagree with some of the things they said. Amen. Yep. So true. I'm not talking about throwing away the biblical standard. I'm talking about throwing away your own judgments against people who love God. Without continual transformation, we cannot inherit what God has made available for us. Jesus, of course. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
One of the great theologians of the last century, Karl Barth, he, he writes about this when he talks about the mind renewal. He calls it the great disturbance that challenges, interrupts, and uh, upsets the, the tranquil status quo of this world. You've never heard of Barth, read some of his stuff. Now, this is also important. This is a, a Princeton theologian. I wish, I wish I had wrote this one. You live in a world, you live in a world, not a world that is out there, but a world that you compose from what is, from what is out there. You live in a world, not that is out there, but a world that you compose from what is out there. Your heart has composed how you perceive reality. So if you see yourself as a victim, I don't know if you even realize this, without even subconsciously, people will view you as a victim. This is why this is no, this is no small thing. And there's a whole segment of believing. We love them, we forgive them, they will mock this sort of thinking. Are you one of those people who believes you can have what you said? Yes, I do. You want people who believe in divine healing? How come you don't go to the hospital? And they revel in their unbelief. They celebrate it as a badge. And it's all out there in the way, airways to keep you from your divine inheritance. Your inner world defines how you view reality. I'll just give you another simple example. Uh, right, actually, the December, right before COVID, I had been invited to New York City to teach to these South American leaders. It was an apostle who led this network. He asked me to speak in afternoon to his leaders. And I remember, that would be kind of funny. Maybe some of you will realize you need deliverance too. But uh, I was kind of talking along similar lines. And I just said, President Donald Trump! My interpreter looked like she needed, she about fell out. And it wasn't the Holy Ghost. It triggered something in her. The apostle who doesn't leave in America goes, great man, love him! What happens? Their inner world defined how they reacted to what they just heard. not about Trump. For some people it may be, but <laughs> you will realize, I've realized, when you walk with God, He will not make you uncomfortable. He will not make you comfortable in what you find uncomfortable. He simply invites you to see His view of reality. You live in a world not a world that is out there, but a world that you compose from what is out there. Revelation comes continuously to give us a different perspective. 
you know, essentially, a lot of what I'm saying here is here. There is a passion from God that we would actually apply the word of God properly so that we could represent Jesus more fully. The prophet wrote in the Old Testament, he is the desire of the nations. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. He did not say, nobody wants to get saved. It's really bad out there. There's inflation. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. But he's saying, those who properly represent me. I love this. Jesus was the greatest teacher because he was the greatest learner. Jesus was the greatest teacher because he was the greatest learner. Here's a, a, a phrase in scripture that's hit me really hard probably for the last three months. Jesus never invited us to come hear him preach. Come to me. All you are burdened and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Then he says, learn of me. Not hear what I'm saying and be able to quote it. He said, learn of me. Jesus was our example of a man with a whole heart. Luke 8, right? The woman with the issue of blood touches Jesus. What does he touch? She touches this righteous heart. He touches a heart that has healing on the inside of it. She touches something and God meets her in that place. He's fully God, fully man. And a woman touches her and she receives wholeness because wholeness emanated from the inside of him. You're like, oh, but that's Jesus. He was God. Who is on the inside of you? He is modeling something for us. He's saying, this, that which is on the inside of me has the ability to change people. Even if I never preach to them, there's a weight, there's an authority, there's a reality on the inside of me. Then what does he say? Out of where? Not our mind. Our bellies will flow rivers of living water. Your heart. Here's another thing I've learned about the Lord. You were not created to have two different appetites. And the plane here in a minute. Our foundation in God must be established through acting on the power that God gives us to have a surrendered heart. 
Our foundation in God must be continually established through acting on the power that God gives us to have a surrendered heart. Philip, show us the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. But it's not, it, it's not me. It's the Father working through me. By the way, I also have a free choice. But I've chosen to correctly surrender over and over and over again where there is a power that I yield myself to that is actually still changing the world. I told you there was a lot. I'm going to land the plane here, though. If you're following along, look at chapter 5. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down. I'm reading, catching this story in the middle. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, from a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And likewise, also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching people. And when they brought their boats to land, uh, they left everything and followed him. I want you to see something here. It's very fascinating to me. Like many of you in this room, hopefully all of us, they were all in. I'm in! Why am I in? Also really fascinating. He never said anything about how sinful Peter was. Peter just realized how sinful he was when he was around Jesus. I love being around people like that. I'm like, Jesus, forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry. This person, yeah, but there's people I know like that. And this is the beautiful thing about Jesus. He meets you exactly where you're at. But he doesn't negotiate with you. does not negotiate. I told a dear friend of mine, he's had this encounter with the Lord and you know, he's asking me questions about God. I told him, I said, God does not negotiate with you. You can't have Jesus and add your all the new age stuff. He doesn't want to be added as an accessory. He's not interested. So he'll meet you exactly where you're at. And they are all in. They have a heart posture that is correct. I'm going all in for him. But watch, catch this though. But on their best day, their true understanding of who he was was very mistaken. They thought he came for what they heard about what the Messiah would bring. They thought more power, worldly power, was probably coming to them if they stuck with him. Uh -oh. 
There was, he, he meets you exactly where you're at. Don't say, you don't have to have it all figured out. But that was just the beginning of the learning process. They were all in. Yet he took two and a half years to dismantle all their misconceptions about who he really was. Remember, Linda, what we think we know about him often will hinder us from receiving the fullness of who he is.